0: July twenty-four, two 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition.
1: Tonight, journalist Michael Scott Moore is here, everybody. He's here, he's here to discuss his book about how he was held hostage by Somali pirates. A really fascinating story about being held hostage by Somali pirates, so please no one tell him that I'm African. But first, (laughs) let's catch up on today's headlines. In the escalating trade war between the United States and everyone, one of the hardest hit groups has been U.S. farmers.
3: Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue, just announcing moments ago that the Trump administration has approved $12 billion in aid, specifically going to farmers, an industry that has been hit very hard by what they call today, illegal retaliatory tariffs from China.
2: Farmers, uh, many of whom were Trump voters, right, they've really been hurt by the president's trade wars.
1: Okay, this, this is weird because I'm not opposed to a president using government assistance to help people through a crisis, you know, like after a hurricane. But in this case, the president is the hurricane. (laughs) He made this happen, (laughs) right? Like, imagine if a hurricane went through your house, like, ah, ah, oh, here's $20 for the mess. ah, ah. (laughs) That's what's basically happened here. So Donald Trump screwed a bunch of farmers and now he has to pay them off. I guess now they know how it feels to be Stormy Daniels. (laughs) In other news, In other news, Ivanka Trump is shutting down her fashion company. Yeah, Mm. to focus, to focus on being a full-time White House aide. Yeah. Oh, that that took you guys on a journey. Yeah. (laughs) No, but I mean, think about it. How are you supposed to run a successful business and stand in the background of pictures? It can't be done. It really can't be done. Over in Japan. This is an interesting story. Advertising space is getting so tight that they're cramming ads into every crevice.
0: We go to Japan. A company there has found a new place for advertising on women's underarms. You pay to have a model walk around with your company logo under her arms so every time she raises her hand, your business gets noticed.
1: Wow, okay. I think that's a pretty good idea, but I do feel bad for guys with armpit fetishes, you know? Because they're gonna be like, how do I upgrade to the ad-free version? (laughs) And now, the the city of New York saw what Japan is doing, and in response, they've announced that they will be selling ad space on all of the subway masturbators. That's what they're gonna be doing. (laughs) Sir, 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 slow down, I can't read the number. Slow down. All right, let's move on to our main story. The Trump administration, They're fighting so many battles that sometimes it's hard to keep track of all of their enemies. You know, Crooked Hillary, fake news media, the deep state witch hunt, Canada. And then of course, (laughs) their biggest enemy of all, the environment. The Trump administration has had a grudge against mother nature ever since wind. (laughs) And yesterday, we learned how far they're willing to go to kick Captain Planet in his big blue marbles.
0: Thousands of pages of
4: emails show Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke and his aides dismissing tourism benefits and archeological discoveries in favor of shrinking national monuments for logging, ranching, and energy development. The Washington Post cites documents the Interior Department released this month, then retracted a day later.
1: Okay, I don't know what's worse the fact that the Interior Department was scheming about how to hand over federal land to help oil and businesses, uh, oil and timber businesses, or the fact that they thought that they could take back the emails that they had mistakenly sent out. Like, when has that ever worked? (laughs) You can't send an email to your boss saying, work is my favorite place to get high and secretly jerk off in the boiler room (laughs) and then send a follow-up email like, please disregard everything after work (laughs) is my favorite place. It doesn't work, we know it now. Like, it's honestly wild to me that they would even dismiss priceless archeological discoveries just to maybe get a little more oil. Like imagine if Trump was president during Jurassic Park. Oh wow, what is that?
0: That, that's nothing. Now let's frack the shit out of this place.
1: Now, obviously, the Interior Department was embarrassed because its emails showed that they know that they're doing something super shady, right? But we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, considering all of the stuff that the administration is doing to the environment out in the open.
0: The Trump administration this week is expected to open a new front in America's environmental battle, and California is the target. The administration will now try to shut down California's authority to regulate vehicle exhaust, greenhouse gas emissions, and the sale of electric cars. Environmentalists charge the bottom line would be devastating after years of cleaning up the air in California.
1: I know the president hates California, but that's just mean, right? California has worked so hard to clean up its air. And it's true that a lot of that progress came from deporting Seth Rogen to Arizona, but (laughs) it was also from the state's strong car emission standards. So if the administration kills them off, it could put the health of millions of people at risk. But I mean, let's be honest, who cares about people, right? I mean, (laughs) they're gross, they really are. But sadly, it turns out that the administration is coming for our furry friends too.
0: The Trump administration is calling for sweeping changes to the law that protects hundreds
1: of animals and plant species from extinction. The proposal would end automatic protections and limit habitat safeguards provided by the Endangered Species Act, and decisions on shielding threatened species would be made on a case-by-case basis. What the (laughs) This is insane. Like, if the Trump administration gets its way, instead of automatically protecting endangered species, it would decide the fates of each species on a case-by-case basis. And you know that's gonna be arbitrary as hell, right? It's just gonna be Trump like, I've decided to let you live, turtle. You're green and you have a shell, which makes you the closest thing we have to that sexy m M&M. m Ooh, those curves, baby. And now you may be wondering, why would anyone want to weaken the Endangered Species Act? Well, it's the same reason the Trump administration does anything, money. Experts say it'll lead to easier construction of
3: pipelines. Environmentalists say all of it is dangerous.
0: It will probably over time and collectively degrade many of the natural areas that are part of America's heritage. This is really about rewarding the largest corporate polluters.
1: That's right. Trump is willing to kill off whole animal species in favor of pipelines. Because, I mean, who doesn't love a nice, adorable pipeline? Yeah? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about you, but I spend all my time watching BuzzFeed videos about adorable pipelines. Like, <laughs> like, I love it when the big pipeline and the small pipeline becomes friends. It's like, oh! Oh, that's so cute! What are the odds? So, look, the truth is this administration loves big business. So this is gonna go on for a while. Unless the endangered species come together and create their own lobby and send one of their own to petition the president. And personally, if they do that, I hope they send the same guy they sent last time.
2: (laughs) We'll be right back. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at TrinitySchool.org. That's TrinitySchool.org.
0: Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you, but consider this. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here.
2: Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail
3: store.
1: To the Daily Show, my guest tonight is a journalist and author whose new book is called *The Desert and the Sea: Nine Hundred and Seventy-Seven Days Captive on the Somali Pirate Coast*. Please welcome Michael Scott Moore. Good welcome to you. the show. Thank you. Good to see you. Um, this is one of those stories that halfway through the book, you have to stop and keep reminding yourself that it is real. It is real. It reads like a novel. Every story has so much detail. But let's start at the beginning. <laughs> the question that my grandmother would ask if she were interviewing you, and that is, what were
4: you doing in Somalia? Why did I go? Yeah, right. I was writing a book about pirates. I was writing a very different book about pirates. I I went because I had covered a trial of 10 Somali pirates in Hamburg. I was uh, working in Germany at the time, in Berlin. And um, it turned out half of them were from this one town in central Somalia. And I was already interested in the history of piracy because piracy had sort of exploded off the Somali coast. Um, And I had a fabulous idea for a book. And so you went there... And you, you tell the story in the beginning of the book about how,
1: you know, you, these people surround your car. There's a group mm-hmm. of guys, and you think to yourself, oh, they're probably just going to check my passport. Right. Or you, you don't think that in this moment you were being kidnapped. My,
4: my mind actually recoiled from the idea I was getting kidnapped. Right, and when when that sinks into your brain, when that moment clicks, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what is your greatest fear? Well, the first thing I thought about was my family. I mean, I knew that I was... Uh, it, from that moment on, it was going to be miserable for my mother and f- for the rest of my family and friends. Right, and, and you... you were kidnapped by these pirates. And um,
1: what, I, what I love about this book, if, like if I was recommending it to anyone, was, is I'd say it's not about the results. Like, spoiler alert, you're here. I made it out. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. It's not about that. It really is about the journey, the 977 days, because you, you, you talk about the pirates, and honestly, what I found commendable is that you humanize them. Thank
4: you. <laughs> why, why would you do that? They kidnapped you. That, that was, that's what I wanted to do with the book. Uh, I, you know, I spent a lot of time with them. It was not 24 hours of hatred all the time. Um, and it's impossible to live like that, as a matter of fact. And um, wh- one thing I noticed when I, when I got out, I saw a movie by um, uh, Abdurrahman Sasako called Timbuktu that made the um, Islamists who were coming into Timbuktu ridiculous but human and that was my experience of the pirates you you also talk about in the book how
1: the somali pirate problem started as a reaction to colonialism mm-hmm. you talk about how countries like china you know robbed the fishermen of their of their livelihood mm-hmm. you talk about how these countries were thrust into poverty and 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 it's an interesting idea but but it's it's not an excuse to pillage and plunder like right. when you're sitting in in, in
4: captivity, are you thinking to yourself, "Well, I also understand how they got here." You're not <laughs> no. thinking it at that time. No, because the, the the roots of Somali piracy are definitely in illegal fishing. But by the time they were capturing big cargo ships, and especially by the time they were capturing me, it was no longer about illegal fishing. Right. It was simply about greed. It was about getting a lot of money. From- and it, and it had become a
1: business. We we we've seen it now and you organized know, crime. Right. It, it, mm. It's now it's now gotten to a place where people just accept that they go oh, Somali pirates, Somali pirates, Somali pirates. Right. What I what I really loved about the book, though, is you. You have a few moments where there's humor in what many people would think is a completely humorless situation where you're laughing with your captors. Like, at one point you talk about exercising, and I really mm-hmm. loved it because you
4: decided to teach the Somali pirates yoga. Well, yes. Okay, it didn't happen quite, quite that directly. I, I knew I was going to need to exercise because I had moved into a prison house that looked like it was going to be my home for a while. Right. And so I asked them for a mat because I didn't think... I was going to be able to jog around the room without them shooting at me. So I, I decided to get a mat and start to do yoga. Right. And I, was, I had this idea that I would do it while they weren't looking, uh, but there was no moment where they weren't looking. So I started to do yoga, and they, started to, uh, they thought it was funny. And so they came in and imitated me. And slowly, a few of them weren't joking, I realized, and I started to correct their postures. <laughs> so... I, I might actually be the only Westerner who's taught yoga to Somali pirates.
1: You see, like, like, like moments like that it really, really, uh, I mean, illuminate, you know, how, how amazing your journey was in, in this experience. Because you go through moments of, of, of joy, fragments of mm-hmm. joy. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, there's a lot of pain throughout the story. Mm-hmm. One of the, the most powerful quotes you, you have in the book, and I'll paraphrase it, is basically where you talk about hope. Mm-hmm
4: and how dangerous hope can be. Why do you say that? Because it was, I, I think the line is, hope was like heroin for a hostage, and it could be just as destructive. And that was because you, you start to feel hope, the pirates actually cultivated that. They said, Michael, you're going to go out in two weeks. You're going to go out in one month, you know, and you would believe it at first. And then you'd be hopeful and then afterwards it would be despair. And it, each time through the cycle would be worse than the time before. So you, you went through this, the cycle itself became destructive and you had to sort of detach yourself from that, from the hope as well as the despair.
1: So if I'm understanding you
4: correctly, what you're saying is the best way for you to cope with this was to let go of hope. That's right. That's right. At some point, I I knew that there was at least a 50% chance I wasn't going to make it out alive. So I had to let go of of that that notion that I might die or I might live. Uh, The the, the whole idea of a future had to sort of go away. Right. And and there are moments where you you, you talk about uh, your your wish to be
1: free. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's there's a part in the book where you talk about seeing an unattended gun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's one of those moments where, when I'm reading it, I've played way too many PlayStation games,
4: mm-hmm.
1: so I'm like, oh yeah, you grab the gun, and you, you grab shoot your gun. way out. That's how you do it, yeah, exactly. But when you're in that situation, you see the gun, yep. you think about grabbing the gun, like how many times
4: does that also mess with you in a way that I did that several times uh, the, so there was a, there were, first of all there were always guns lying around but in a, in a few on a few occasions there was just the gun and the, the pirate had left the room and I went through all the motions in my head and I thought about very, I thought very carefully about doing that and I would have if I'd been trained to do it right um, and even then it might have been suicidal in any case there were always too many guards for me to have done it right you know in any way that wasn't suicidal so I I, I I had to think about that often and wrestle with it, and eventually I I wound up, you know, s- settling myself.
1: You 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 also have um, a story of how the the pirates moved you around, and obviously this was so that they wouldn't get caught, mm-hmm. and you you talk about um, how at one point they took you onto a Japanese um, tuna. Uh, fishing boat. It a tuna vessel tuna run vessel. by a Taiwanese company. Oh, it was Taiwanese, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you're on this Taiwanese uh, vessel mm-hmm. that was used for tuna fishing. Mm-hmm. And what I like is in the book you say you had the best food during <laughs> your time because you're That's eating true. sashimi every day.
4: Uh, no, 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 not every day. But, <laughs> there, but it was a tuna vessel with something like 100 tons of tuna on board, right. frozen. And uh, when they first took me on board, I was terrified. I thought, you know, my life is over and, you know, this is it. Uh, and First of all, I met twenty-eight new hostages, twenty-eight new friends. Then the food was good. That's true, and the the food was good uh, because the kitchen was still operating. It was an right. operating fishing fishing vessel with Chinese food that came out of the kitchen. Right, it was much better than the slop we were fed on land. And every two weeks or so, they they would haul out a frozen tuna, carve it up with a power saw, cook the tuna, and if the and whatever they didn't cook, they left a little red brick aside and actually uh, sliced it up for sashimi.
1: Do you, you, in those moments, I know it's a crazy thing, but that's what I picked up in your book is, in those moments, did you find like a a, a weird little bubble of joy in that moment when it's just you and your sushi on a pirate
4: ship? (laughs) Happily, it was me and 30 other guys, uh, 30 30 hostages enjoying sashimi. Uh, And that was something they did when they were at sea. Every now and then they treated themselves. Um, They couldn't do that after the ship gave out. And those guys spent almost five years in captivity. I I was only there for two years and eight months. Wow, you say only there for two years and eight months.
1: It really is a fascinating story. And, and you know, one part in the book that, that really blew my mind is when you get home. And like I say, if you're going to read the book, there's, there's way too much for me to get through. It's, it's a beautiful story. But you, you get back to Germany, and you open your Facebook, mm-hmm. and one of the pirates had sent you a message.
4: Yes. That took, actually, it took, a, it took a couple of weeks, but, and we're not Facebook friends or anything like that, but I have been messaged through that, that app uh, by a former guard, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mohammed. You, your first your first instinct is to block. Yes. Yeah. But then That's you went, No, I'm going to catch up with Mohammed. I caught up with Mohammed. We we've had a, a an ongoing sort of slow burning conversation, yeah. And and if he sent you a friend request, would you accept? No. I don't
1: blame you. That comes a little too close. I really don't blame you. It's it's such a beautiful book. It's a fascinating story. Thank you. I'm so glad you're out. Thank you so much for being glad on the you show. liked it. Thank you very much.
4: Pleasure for having me here. The Desert
1: And the scene is available now. It's a beautiful story. Michael Scott Moore, everybody. Thank you so
0: much. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more.